0: and the start of the new agricultural year. I mean, here it's usually celebrated about the end of September. And you could hear God's word proclaimed and there'd be lots of food offerings provided and prepared. And Nehemiah is a central part of this book. I wonder... What phrase or idea you particularly has struck you as we've gone through Nehemiah? For me, it's the great phrase from Nehemiah 2, the gracious hand of our God is upon us. The gracious hand of our God is upon us. I wonder if you could say that with me. The gracious hand of our God is upon us. A wonderful phrase. Now Ezra and Nehemiah were originally one book. Probably till after the time of Jesus even. It was Ezra and Nehemiah was one book. And this phrase, the gracious hand of our Lord, the Lord is upon us, occurs 9 times in Ezra Nehemiah. It's quite a key phrase. And this wonderful phrase ties us to the first exodus from, um, from Egypt. In the Torah, the book of the law, I think we, it keeps being called the book of the law, but I think it's not a great translation, really. The book of teachings would be better say, the Torah. So I'll keep saying the Torah, but I'm referring to these first five books of the Bible that they might well have been hearing that day. In Deuteronomy 7, Moses declares, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt. And we hear that phrase 16 times in the Torah. So there's this big link through to God's hand. So when we think about God's gracious hand being upon us, we can think of God's mercy, God's care, but also God's empowering of us. The gracious hand of our our God is upon us. Nehemiah says to God, right at the beginning in Nehemiah 1, they are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. He also tells us that the people, they are your people who delight in revering God's name. That's a lovely images for us, who we are. People who delight in revering God's name and he's referring to the people in that way. Now, we've heard about, of course, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, but actually, the main task was, that was important, but the main task is the rebuilding, the revitalising, the renewal of God's people around the word of God. And here we are in 445 BC, and it's 94 years since King Cyrus declared that they could go back. It's a bit like for us, thinking about something being declared in 1930. Quite a long time ago. But nevertheless, that's been declared and at that time, um, when it was originally declared, 42,000 Israelites go back with Zerubbabel. Then 13 years before Nehemiah, Ezra also made this thousand mile journey. God's mighty hand had moved Pharaoh in Egypt in the first exodus. And right at the start of Ezra we hear that the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus to let the people return. God is central in this book. And here we see him right at the beginning. God acts. God stirs up. King Cyrus. He is central and active in this book of Ezra Nehemiah. And today, the people take the initiative. Say to Ezra, bring out the book and they gather around to hear Ezra reading from the Torah. We're reminded, of course, of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai, reading out what God has told him, and teaching the people. Here they gather around Ezra. And I want to think today about all the people of God, all the Word of God, and all the joy of God. So first... All the people of God. Now, I I wondered if anybody was counting all the alls as we went through. Did you notice? I kind of got them in white. There's at least 13 alls in Nehemiah 8. It's really important. Now, they don't have the gathering at the temple because that would have been restricted. Not everybody could have gone So, they hold it in the town square by the water gate. Because there, the whole people, men, women and children, can all be there. It's not just a privileged few. There's a Greek historian who wrote at the same time as Nehemiah, who says, it's the people... Not the wall that make a city. So it's that people. Walls, of course, are important, but it is the people. All the people that are important. All the people matter. I can remember once um, at a church we were at, and we were going to have an important lunch, great big lunch, and we kept saying to everybody week after week, all are welcome. And after this uh, great event, which went well, I, I met somebody the following week who uh, hadn't been there. And I said, I'm very sorry that you've not been able to be there. It's great. And he said, well, I didn't think the all included me. It's funny that, isn't it? Often we can think, here, all of us, all are included. So this is one of these alls where we're all included, no matter how you feel. We've got a pretty strange bunch of people, or some of which, some of our, most of whom have had quite a difficult time. The parents have had a difficult time. All of us are included as we delight in revering God's name. All people are included in every way. And one of the things that's most precious here is, is just when, when we first arrived about uh, just over a year ago, I've been ill for some time. And uh, it was lovely to be, you kind of almost got this from everybody, this big hug, this greeting from the people with the holy water spray at the front door to the coffees and teas, the people on the sound desk, everybody would... There was that sense of all coming. So I think that's important. Whatever you do, even if it's doing the gardening or or whatever, it's important to to know that that has a big effect. Somebody was telling us uh, the other week that they're here because a member of their family liked the toilets. Well, if you design the toilets, well done, you know. It's everything that you do. Nothing is, you may be an expert in drains or something, you know. Everything that you do, God works through and is part of that all. Ezra, in Ezra 5, the people describe themselves thus. We are the servants of God of heaven and earth. It's a gathered people under one God, and there's a fulfilment of Ezekiel's prophecy. Ezekiel was—he was out um, by the rivers of Babylon out there, and he had this vision, and he said, "Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever." And of course, they're there in the heart of Jerusalem. God is amongst his people. The first day of the seventh month was also the day when Solomon stood on a platform and dedicated the temple with trumpet blasts and prayers. It was a day for the Israelites to remember and it was a great day for Ezra to read from the word. So we thought about all the people of God, that's all of us. We come to all the word of God. And in Ezra 7, we learn that Ezra had his heart set to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its statutes and ordinances. So he studied scripture, he did it and he taught scripture. Wonderful description of Ezra. And he teaches the people all the words of the Torah now they are already God's holy people led back by God and they're here to be revitalised and re-envisioned sometimes I've seen some commentaries saying oh they uh, they were there to be converted or changed or repent well no that's not it They were the people of God. They were being rebuilt. They were hearing about their gracious God and all that he had done for him. Nehemiah also treasures the scriptures and that's shown throughout the book and that will come up a bit in future weeks as well. It's full of accounts of the men and women of God. All that God has done for his people and the God who delivered them out of Exodus. Now this Torah was read, the five books of the Torah were read all morning that day. And then there was Levites among the crowds to explain the word to them. And it's like the first house groups really, the word was being given and then these people were down amongst the people and if you thought, well there must have been maybe 40,000 people in the square... They had no microphones or anything, so this was being translated. The word was given in, read in Hebrew. Most of these people spoke Aramaic, so it's similar. So they needed some kind of explanation of what was going on. And as the people listen, they start weeping. And there's all kinds of people, reason why people weep. Hearing of God's word. I remember once in uh, one church we were at, a couple, young couple came. I think they were coming for their wedding vows or something like that, hearing the, uh, those being read out. And um, uh, the, the wife said afterwards, as I came into the church and sat there, I've wept all the way through the service. I don't know why. It was just a perfectly ordinary service, if any service is ordinary. But for her, somehow, God just moved her. All kinds of reasons that people can respond. Sometimes it might be being convicted, but sometimes it might be in the sense of loss or sense of wonder. People are reminded of the grace, the works and wonders of their God and his great love for them. They would have heard about how far they had fallen and they are told, do not grieve on this day. It's a day of feasting. Be still. Be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Often like the Old Testament theologian Chris Wright who observes that the Torah is not even remotely perceived as a burden of legalism but as a precious gift of God's grace. God's word is a focus of gratitude and joy as was the gift of God's presence in the new temple. Or the gifts of his protection over the city. Now there were food offerings that day as well. There'd been the end of the harvest. And there's a feast of choice food and sweet drinks. They've been fed with the goodness of God's word. And that goodness is captured in food and drink and celebration. That's the capturing of it. I think that's really important. That's why I love the coffee and cake. Today, we had that wonderful fruitcake. Norma had made fruitcake, which captured the goodness of God in a slice of cake. And a great coffee. I think that's why it's so important. The other week, I was quite knocked out by Margaret's chocolate cake you know, and, but they you, they act as a focus for the goodness of God, So everything that we do all that we do we, were, we met up with a young lady this week who, uh, a young lady, three little children who we'd known, and she suddenly said, oh, I've just been on a bishop's mission course to do the pastoral. I thought, how on earth did she do that? <laughs> She's got a job, her husband's got a job, three children, and she'd, I, it, was, it was incredible that this young lady was so, she was doing she, what she could as part of wanting to be God's presence. I, I certainly remember she came along to an Alpha course that we did. I thought, oh good, she's coming. She got to the front door on the first, you know, for the first meeting and said, oh, I've just been overcome by the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, that happens on week four or five. That's not supposed <laughs> to Anyway. <clears throat> so we had the first day, this great feasting, this great celebration... And the next day, the teaching continues of the leaders. Ezra takes the leaders and then teaches them all the word for their families to take away. They're hearing everything of God's word. But then we think we've thought about the hearing God's word and we come on to all the joy of the Lord in that celebration All the people are told to go away and enjoy the good food. But they're also told to take some to those who have none. They say the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now I don't know if you've looked at the parish magazine but uh, St Mary's verse for the year is from Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. And that goes... The verse they quote goes up to, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's what's so important. That's part of the joy of the Lord is your strength. God guarding our hearts and minds. Sorry, I'm not turning around to see you. I kind of, uh, anyway, I'm not forgetting about you. You're included in this. All, actually the musicians do get um, included in um, verse uh, Nehemiah 7. The musicians are particularly knowing that they must be there. All the people. All the joy. Worship group help us as an expression of that joy. All the people went away and they are asked to take portions of food to those who have none. I think that's wonderful. Right, here we are at the centre of the worship, the celebration the salvation of God's people and take food to those who have none. So it was important to hear at the beginning about the church giving to the, the people of Syria and Turkey. In the, you know, it's part of, right at the heart of our worship, is this concern, this justice, give to those who have none. And they went and took the food and they celebrated with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. They also found this passage in the law commanded through Moses. They had to go and live in temporary shelters during the festival, um, three weeks after the beginning in booths, the festival of Brew, booths. They went out throughout their towns and wherever they were, they celebrated. They made little shelters and they celebrated. The whole company that had returned from exile, they built these temporary booths and lived in them. And from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day, they had not celebrated like that. And their joy was great, it says. All the people, having heard all the word of God, celebrated with all the joy of God. They're led into that joy of our God. The gracious hand of our God is upon us all. want you to think about that might find it helpful for a minute to think about God's hand resting upon you might be a hand of grace of compassion of encouragement it's just picture God's hand upon you in your thoughts for a moment thank you Lord for your gracious hand upon each one of us This day, at this time. Amen.
1: Thank